0: I'm Jamie Wheeler. When my daughter, who has autism, turned 18, the programs we depended on suddenly stopped, although her needs did not. So I started Austin's Autistic Adventures, a nonprofit dedicated to empowering autistic adults and their families. Much like our nonprofit, this podcast aims to spark candid conversations and build community. Welcome to Autism Unplugged. Hey, so welcome back to another episode of Autism Unplugged. Today, I have with me my trusty right hand, Lisa Christian, and a mom in the group who is also on our board, and her name is Robin. So thank you guys for being with us today. Um, Today's topic is autism and food, and I can guarantee you this is something that everyone who has a child, whether they are a small child, a teenager, or an adult, is something that we all struggle with. When i was or My daughter was about 13 or 14. I have a good friend who lives in another state, and her daughter is also on the spectrum. And we made a joke that one day we were going to open a restaurant called the Beige Cafe because the only foods our children were eat were rather beige in color, macaroni <laughs> and cheese, grilled cheese, chicken nuggets, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So I was doing a little bit of research for this podcast, not a lot, but just some things to help us along. And Of course, one of the first things I came across is that nearly every person on the spectrum has food issues, but it's not just related to taste. It can be smell. It can be texture. It can be places on the plate. You know, my peas are supposed to be on the right-hand side. Now they're on the left-hand side. And that is pretty common. But what is difficult is that many people on the spectrum, again, regardless of age, aren't always able to tell us what it is about the particular food being put in front of them that's problematic. And this can lead to meltdowns. And that can lead parents to giving in, I guess, to um, just saying, it's not worth the meltdown. Here's your multivitamin. Let's go. I'm going to start with Lisa because her son is probably one of The 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 more, yeah, he has the most restrictive diet of any person his age that I know, and I know quite a few. So can you explain to us the foods that Justin will eat?
1: Justin, since probably middle school, has had peanut butter and jelly, chips, and it was Capri Sun then for lunch every day, including weekends. Um, Then for dinner, he's gotten more narrow, which is strange. And now as an adult, he is... Still doing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. He will eat a grilled cheese sandwich. He's on a rotation of three things for dinner. Every third day. So it's pizza, then macaroni and cheese, then pizza, then (coughs) hot dogs, then pizza, then macaroni and cheese, ad nauseum. The only time I've been able to get him to try anything is what we'll talk about later is in our Austin's Autistic Adventures cooking class. And his reaction to most textures and tastes, even an adjustment to macaroni and cheese, like putting something else in it, is violent and loud and disgusting. It touches his lips and he immediately starts gagging. So that's his rotation of foods. Other than the occasional chicken strip, if we're on the road and there is no other option.
0: Robin, what about Trinity?
2: Trinity, yeah, she's she's had definitely had her restrictive as well. Um, She's very carb focused. She loves pasta. She doesn't always like pasta with sauce. So, a bit. I mean, that kid can sit there and eat just plain pasta. It's crazy. Um, I was nodding along when you were talking about his lunch. I was like, how do you know how to say you're an autism parent or parent of an autistic without saying you're one? I've made the same lunch for years running for her. She's the same way. She takes a Lunchable and it's a cheesy pizza Lunchable high in nutrition when she eats all the components separate by the way she does take a bag of edamame that is something green she'll eat yay a thing of milk and um, a baggie of funyuns those are her go-tos she will rotate out a ham sandwich and for a long time it was just meat and bread and she's recently gotten into adding mayonnaise to it so as she's gotten older she started to accept more condiments, plain hamburgers. She'll eat those meat and bread again, but she will sometimes put ketchup on them. That's new. Uh, but yeah, it's the same thing. It's, and it, the other thing I've noticed about her, she's very brand specific too. She loves, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, she yeah. loves substitute
1: some kind of macaroni and cheese that isn't, you mm-hmm. know, craft macaroni and I make the best
0: homemade mac and cheese and Austin won't touch it. She wants craft. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Only craft,
1: no annies,
2: no nothing. Yeah, I tried a different brand of shelled edamame once for her lunch um, because I was at Trader Joe's instead of Market Street. And she was like, I don't like this. I'm like, it's edamame, you know, and that's the whole thing. It's as a neurotypical, I don't always get it. I'm like, it tastes exactly the same to me. But it's like it's poisoned, you know, if it's not the same thing. Tortilla we, chips is another one.
1: We had this conversation recently about packaging. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Tell, they oh changed, that story. Well, I, I think it was, was it Nick that has they or Daniel? I can't. Um, um, a couple members. A couple <laughs> members. Okay. So we had this discussion recently about packaging. A couple of our members Uh, They changed the, uh, it was some yogurt, Yoplait or something label or something like that. And it's like they would not have it. So a parent is going around searching for all the original packaging (laughs) that they can find. That's not uncommon when they get older. When they're younger, you know, they don't really necessarily notice as much. That's the good time to start trying to get things not so specific. (laughs) But sometimes you miss that boat, and we did. (laughs) I want to say how
0: incredibly stressful it is for us. It's stressful for the kids, obviously. You know, We can't be in their mind. We don't know what's bothering them about the particular food, but we worry about them getting proper nutrition, worry about the reaction of people who find out how limited our children's th- and the judgment that comes with that when they haven't experienced one single meltdown, much less the daily ones that we probably all went through when they were younger. And we couldn't understand what was happening and the meltdowns occur. It reminds me of that Louis C.K. bit where he's screaming at his daughter who won't eat at the table. And he says, but you're on the grid. You have a social security number. They'll find out. You have to eat. (laughs) I think even for neurotypical parents, we are so overwhelmed as mothers from the beginning about are you feeding and nurturing your child properly? I'm sure it happens to men, too. But if you read, like as we all did, the Maternity Bible, What to Expect When You're Expecting, and, you know, the importance of breast milk and other
1: uh, Introducing foods, foods, at foods at the a right time, time
0: along the way, and you feel like you are somebody's going to come and put you in jail because of what you are doing to but your you're child. Failing. Yeah. You're failing, and it's it, and you're worried. You are worried about your own child, too, because you know the reality of the nutritional needs and what's required for growth and brain development and bones and muscle and and all that stuff. So it can be quite stressful for us as well as for the child. Like I said, I did a little bit of research for this podcast today coming in just to give us some talking points. And guess what? They've done more research on people with autism, even adult people, and they find a strong preference for carbs and processed foods. Surprise. Yes, yeah. surprise. Mm-hmm. And um, why is that? Because processed foods are engineered to be tasty. They have a lot of salt, fat, sugar. Um, they don't have a lot of texture issues to deal with for the most part because it's, you know, shaped goop. And they reject fruits and vegetables often. That's, again, getting back to that worrying thing. Here's what I found interesting in the research There are distinct differences between worrisome eating and picky eating. And here's what, if you have a child on the spectrum, you need to watch out for. Most children without special needs will slowly add foods to their diets, right? So you get the four-year-old going, I don't like green beans. Well, you know, by six or seven, they've had enough exposure to green beans that all of a sudden they're eating green beans like it's their favorite food in the world. But with children on the autism spectrum, without intervention their life choices may be pretty much molded from those early years as lisa mm-hmm. lisa can attest and I, i'm not blaming you oh or no anything. i blame
1: myself there's a lot of things i could have done differently but the worst advice is well just make them sit there until they eat they won't go hungry what's oh, <sighs> that more that useful or that useful neurotypical advice, advice. Yeah. when they're
2: hungry when, they're when hungry, they get hungry they'll, they'll eat, they'll eat. No, they won't them. no they won't they will they would rather starve than and eat, scream quote, poison and mm-hmm. you know and
0: the, we talk about that well maybe they would there are times when Austin has gone away to summer camp and she was hungry enough that she did eat what was there but when she got back home it was the, fall back the, into the, the it root, was fall into, into the into, routine
2: into the routine i would bet but that it was not... probably longer than it would have been for, oh, ur- for you sure. Know, you know she probably <laughs> went days maybe before she got to that point I yeah
0: maybe so and right. we don't talk about the ramifications on the rest of the family If you have a child that's screaming or an adult is screaming because they don't get what they want, that just throws the whole family off kilter. So, yes, often we we give in because we don't want to experience the meltdown. The family doesn't want to experience the meltdown. You want your child to eat. I mean, there's just so many issues around food. I think it's kind of the same thing. Um, People are struggling with weight loss, right? You can't not eat. You have to eat something. But just putting the healthy foods in front of you isn't going to necessarily make you accept those healthy foods as part of your life. It's it's difficult,
1: and it's an autism mm-hmm. lifestyle to have carbs and cheese and it, it know, really processed is. foods. Now, here
0: this I told Lisa this morning, but this was the most interesting thing I found in the research that I did as of 2019. Unusual eating is now a part of screening for children with autism. Thank God. Surprise
1: again! Yeah, <laughs> they, we've been, we've known this forever that food issues were um, uh, related. Related, mm-hmm. related.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that once it's passed four, five, six years old, and you still see those persistent behaviors. This study said that it provided further evidence that unusual feeding behaviors are the rule and not the exception for autism. So if you're in your play group or your elementary school has parent day or whatever, and everybody brings food, if it's only your child who will only eat the store-bought cookie and ignore everything else, just watch out for that. I'd People can be picky. It's true. I want to read you just a little excerpt. I posted on my social media last night that we were going to do this topic. And, you know, a lot of adults and teens are discovering that they too may be on the spectrum now that there's so much awareness about what being on the spectrum means. This is my friend Desiree, whom I went to grad school with. And she says that my mom said that when I was a kid, I didn't let my different foods touch each other on my plate. I realized I'm still like that. I thought about why, especially because I will mix it up in a bite or a spoon on my fork, but not on my plate or bowl. I think it's because I don't want to surprise. I don't want to surprise texture. And I'm going to stop right there, Lisa, because tell the story about Justin's Justin birthday. and, and ice, cream. ice cream. Yeah.
1: Yes. Every child loves ice cream, especially, you know, mm-hmm. for the birthday party. Mm-hmm. Well, OK. <laughs> Those children love ice cream. Justin would eat plain ice cream and he would eat m ms But if you put M&M's in ice cream or anything in ice cream, he won't touch it. And I think that is that surprise texture. You expect smooth and creamy and something crunches. And he's that way. That's why he likes macaroni and cheese, cheese pizza. He will eat hot dogs, but he knows exactly what he's biting into and what those combinations are. Um, you know, no surprises. Let me so. carry
0: on with what Desiree has to say, because I think this is really interesting. I want to know what to expect in each bite and to control how much of each type goes into each bite. I don't know exactly why I do it. I've also been one to inspect my food before eating at restaurants. And I found bugs and worms and even a piece of broken glass in my food because of this tendency. I have a lot of traits that would suggest I look into a diagnosis of autism. I thought that was so interesting that we're being able to say to people, hey, this might be me, too. And it reminds me of Hannah Gadsby. Uh, If you've not seen Hannah Gadsby's Netflix special, Douglas Do, because she's a a wonderful comic. She found out she was autistic as an adult, and she carries you through this process that's so hilarious, but so accurate. I'm just saying, is the penguin made out of box? And if you've seen it, you know, and if (laughs) you don't, you, you shouldn't. I was also listening to a podcast yesterday, on think, on KERA, and they were talking about highly sensitive people, which I believe every autistic person is. And I'm talking about the physical senses. They just seem to be Mm -hmm. heightened as much like a person who has blindness or deafness or whatever. It seems like autistic people have a very heightened sensitivity to textures, food, smells, Did you want to say something there?
1: Oh, I mean, Justin does when it comes to foods, which is, you know, what we're talking about. Now, physically, he likes hard pressure and Mm -hmm. sharp edges. But he also likes things that constrict him, like compression clothes and things like that. So he he definitely has sensory issues that are on a wide spectrum, just like... Just like he is. Well, sensory d-
2: processing d- disorder is very correlated to autism. Mm, that's, that's what such, Austin was diagnosed yeah. with at first. Yeah. Trinity has her sensory issues as well.
0: I think it's more common than not in autism, yes. I guess, to be highly sensitive. I
2: think so, too. But tell a little— Hyper uh, or hypo. Yeah.
0: I'll tell a little, another little story about Hannah Gadsby. Um, she talks about being the scared wildebeest. Do you remember that story? It's really yeah. interesting because she says because of her autism, her hypersensitivity, it's like hearing a twig break. And she's the wildebeest that goes— oh my God, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And all the other wild, wildebeests are just chomping and well, here comes the lion, right? And they all run away. So if an autistic person objects to a food or objects to a sound, it may be a sort of early warning system in a way. I know we're getting off food a little bit, but I just I just love mm-hmm. that story because I think that's so true. They sense things before neurotypical people sense things. And Sorry, getting off a little bit of a tangent, but I do love that Desiree said the same thing in more communicative language than Justin could express, right? Right. He doesn't want those two. He wants to know what's in every bite. I, I love a surprise. I the more it. junk mm-hmm. in it, the better.
1: <laughs> I never thought about that until you showed me that from your friend, and it makes a lot of sense. Doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. And I, I mean, he doesn't, he isn't able to tell me why he doesn't want chicken nuggets. He's says, no, thank you. You know, before he was verbal, of course, it would just be a fit. You just try different things. Put it in front of him until he eats something. (laughs) (laughs) But now even as a 25-year-old adult, he has his set ways. And I mean, I hate to go back. We are talking about adults, but it really starts in the early development. And so it's important to see those things wherever they occur. Not just not accept them, but understand that it is a challenge for them. And it's going to be a challenge for you and to make those adjustments where you can compromises where you can.
2: You were talking about ice cream, and, you know, I'm over here mm-hmm. going, mm. that, that was an unusual eating behavior of Trinity when she was a little kid, because most kids love sweets. Trinity cannot stand sweets. She's not ice cream, not fruit, not chocolate. She drinks milk or water. She drinks no juice. And uh, that's continued to this day. But unfortunately, aversion to sweet things does not equate to healthy diet. Yeah, and of that, of course... Low muscle tone is also very prevalent mm-hmm. in the autism yep. community. And I think with the focus mm-hmm. on carb-heavy foods and processed foods and the aversion to vegetables and the like, coupled with the aversion to exercise as well, obesity is also very prevalent, I think. Or being at least being overweight is very prevalent in the autism community from the research that I've done.
1: Yeah, Justin, is, he is... Physically, I mean, like, he's a healthy person. He hardly ever gets sick. Trinity, too. Yeah, very healthy for well. such a weird diet. You would think that they would be catching everything that came along. But um, he's healthy. He is a little, little overweight, not much. He, he was a very large baby, and he thinned out as he got more active, and he paces a lot. He He probably gets 20,000 steps steps a a day day easily. (laughs) Easily. (laughs) And he likes to swim and he likes to do things like that. But ride a bike? Never. We tried scooters and roller skates. And the thing was, the faster he went, the faster we had to go because we didn't know where he would go. So it was easier not to let him learn those things that would be part of a healthy lifestyle. So it's tough. The decisions you make under the pressures of what you're dealing with, you can look back on it as they grow up as adults and go, well, maybe I should have done things differently. But you know, do the best you can. We're going to mention some coping
0: mechanisms for all of this and strategies at the end. But I, um, yeah, you're right. We all have to figure it out for ourselves and what works in our family. But the next time you see an autistic parent struggling with their kid eating, just zip it. <laughs>
1: That's what I have to say. OK, so on... Um Other people's ideas or theories about how you should address autism and diet, not just from the nutritional aspect, but there are a lot of people out there that would tell you, go gluten-free, go Mm non-processed foods. It'll cure them. It will cure them. Dairy-free. There are things in dairy that go into their, they pass the blood-brain barrier and affect their thinking, uh, and that's why they have autism. If you get them off Mm. of all of those things, they'll be cured. No. Mm. (laughs) <laughs> no, thank you.
2: I, I I struggle sometimes with people who come at me with things like that, with having a polite response. If, if you know me well, I'm pretty blunt anyway. But yeah, it's a struggle sometimes, particularly if it's a family member.
1: Have oh. you heard about? Just yes. Just zip it. Mm, <laughs> what you need to do is... Ooh, you know. There's yeah. a study that says,
0: I mean, oh my yeah. gosh, and your eyes just start to roll in the back of your head
1: because, believe it <laughs> or not, folks, we have pretty much heard it all, researched it all, looked mm-hmm. at it all.
0: <laughs> I will say, a couple of years ago, I don't know if y'all remember this, but there was some theory that Fiji, Fiji, Fiji water. was supposed to have extra metals in it or something, and they were inc- they were saying that. If your autistic person drank three liters of Fiji water a day, this would drastically improve their symptoms. Tell me you remember this. Yes, I do. Okay. And
1: it also goes along, which which is weird because there was the other theory about heavy metals in the oh, body. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Talk, yeah. Yeah. Are you going to talk about chelation? Is a There was a treatment of uh, new people who had kids on the spectrum that went through this process. And it's basically a cleansing process that's it's supposed dialysis to take...
0: Is it's is what it is. It takes
1: the heavy metals out of their bloodstream. But again, it was all theory and speculation and anecdotal, which I, have, I love anecdotal. Anecdotal is great for stories. But when you're talking about hooking your child up Treatment, to a machine yeah. and treating them with a process that you're not... They don't even know how it works. That's and and
0: it always has like this maybe this little grain of truth in there because Mm -hmm. when you go through dialysis it really does remove those metals from your blood but anyone who goes on dialysis will feel temporarily better is my understanding Mm -hmm. so you you will see this shift perhaps the. Meltdowns calm down or they're perhaps a little more verbal for a few days. But then it goes, who is going to put their child through that? Well, let me tell you, a lot of people, a lot of Mm -hmm. people with money because it's not cheap. People will go overseas to find the latest, you know. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff out there. And you know what? I feel for parents. And if I had unlimited money and my child was little, maybe I would have tried every wackadoodle doodle theory out there as well. Mm-hmm. But the whole thing that gets me angry, I guess, is people thinking that autism is the worst thing that could ever happen to you and don't you need to cure them? I mean, for all the issues that we're talking about today, my autistic daughter— She's my daughter. That's the way she is. And I will learn to live with it and we'll find ways to make her life better, but cure her? Mm, no.
2: no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've, I've never thought of my daughter as being broken. broken. Mm-hmm. So it's just different. Why yeah. would you want to fix something that's not broken? It just takes a little awareness and a little support and understanding, you know, or develop that understanding of. What makes her tick and how to best communicate with her. And Mm -hmm. that's an ongoing process. She's 19 and I'm still working on it. And it always will be. Yeah, it It will always be that way. But
0: yeah, any other theories out there you remember?
2: No, I get a lot of the, you know, well, if you took her off a of dairy and I'm like, this child only drinks milk and water. Do you, I, I would have a mutiny. She won't drink anything else. Mm. And it has to be 2% milk, by the way. At like, least it's not whole beans. milk. Yeah, at least it's not whole milk. She has great teeth. Yes. oh Great my, teeth. My uh, but, son. you know, and, and the, the the gluten-free. I'm like, this child is... If you are what you eat, my child is a giant carbohydrate. That's exactly. A, you know, but. Can,
0: can I kind of steer us back into um, some other f- issues that I c- want to talk about before we run out of time? One, I don't know if it applies to y'all. It applies to me somewhat, but that's the issue of food stealing. Um, do you have any experience with that? When, I know you do. Yeah. I know I
1: can think of one example. When he was younger, He would get into the cabinets the refrigerator or whatever. But it was weird things. Okay, one time he stole a tub of butter and spread it all over his floor. He rolled around and he was covered from head to toe with (laughs) margarine. So there's a sensory thing, not a food thing. But um, we had to start keeping things put away, you know. I mean, there was no telling what he was going to do with whatever he got his hands on. But now, yes, we call him a mouse. Because he will sneak in at night into the kitchen, and the bag of chips that you bought for his lunch, the large bag that he mm-hmm. was supposed to dole out for his lunches, is gone in two days. And there's no evidence that it ever existed. <laughs> 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 and he will, he's been caught eating grated cheese out of the bag. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Trinity does
2: that. What about the oh, yeah.
1: condiments? Wasn't there one time with the condiments since we've been together? Yes. Yeah. Out the now fridge. see, that's the only... That's, I'm like, good, at least it's a fruit or vegetable.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a vegetable adjacent or a fruit it's, adjacent. A I fruit guess, adjacent, yes.
1: <laughs> but I'm like, you know, between ketchup and pizza sauce, that's pretty much the only <laughs> thing he gets. Now, one of the things I would mention is that we have tried. He will take vitamins, like gummy vitamins. And one time I got the... I forget what the name of the company was, but something like whole life or whatever. And I bought a bottle of the vegetable gummies and a bottle of the fruit gummies. And it cost me $70 for m- the month for those two mm-hmm. bottles. And he ate them, but I couldn't afford to keep that up. I know it sounds like, oh, it's for your child. And it's for their health. But I have so many expenses. There's so many expenses. Yes. Other and I, than that,
2: Trinity won't
1: because those count as sweets. Uh,
2: mm-hmm. Gummies, gummies don't work for her at all. And I have the same problem. She doesn't swallow large pills. And that's what most of them are horse finding pills. a, a mm-hmm. vitamin that doesn't have a taste that she's going to gag on, that's small enough for her to, to, to swallow. swallow, is nearly impossible. Really? And when you do, like you said, they're expensive. So I try to get her to take a vitamin. So instead I just go, you like edamame? Edamame is a pretty decent food, although high in carbs. But... Eat all the edamame you want. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> yeah. my, my nod to nutrition. But when she was little, yeah, we had to hide anything salty. She's a salty person. So mm-hmm. chips. Sweets we could leave out, eat within easy range, but because she would come and she would eat them all and she'd be the same thing. It was like there was no—it took a while for the I'm full— to Mm -hmm. catch up and I think that's a common thing as Mm -hmm. well in autism Um, as she's gotten older she's gotten a lot better about self-regulation we've had several conversations about nutrition and now she she limits herself to a small bowl the problem is she comes back and she gets the bowl multiple times Mm -hmm. but Yeah, Yeah. Justin's
1: pretty consistent. He eats about half the box of macaroni in a sitting, and then he wants the rest of it put away immediately, Mm -hmm. but he never eats the leftovers. Really? Really. Who eats them? Somebody else? Me. (laughs) Yeah, you know. (laughs) And that's my downfall. The next day, I'm like, oh, that macaroni, reheat that. (laughs)
2: She'll eat the leftover pasta as long as it's sauceless. Right. Justin,
1: when we would make spaghetti, when we tried to do family meals, it'd be like, we'd make spaghetti, we would make meat sauce or whatever, and we would leave that off of his and just put maybe a little parmesan cheese on it and he would he would eat that but yeah he eats an entire eight slice red Baron pizza that's a dinner he'll eat four hot dogs with cheese and ketchup and then like I said the macaroni is about half a box so anything else I don't know if it's a fullness thing or what but or if it's just he's used to it if it is it a habit and he eats but he never, like I said, he never complains about it and doesn't right. get sick. Well, I
2: know that food issues around eating and food are very common in the autism community. I know that ARFID is now in the DSM as a separate diagnosis, but it's very common in autism. And I think that it, would, it stands for avoidance, restrictive food. It's the very, very limited food intake.
0: Well you're looking that up, let me tell you just a little bit about Austin then another friend of mine. Austin only sneaks food at night, and it's usually when I'm restricting her carbs. So I have found her go into my, like, dessert area of my pantry and eat... Um, sprinkles? Like, sprinkles, yeah, Or if that's all she can find. Or she will open the icing for, like, tubes mm-hmm. of icing and eat that if there's nothing else around. So... You can restrict them if you want, but, you know... (sighs) Unless you lock everything out. Well, that's what I want. Yeah, My, uh, my friend Rachel has a very severe child on the spectrum, and she has to keep combination locks on her pantry, on her refrigerator, Otherwise, her kid will just go crazy, I mean, eat, 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 yeah. and eat, and eat, and eat, and he's uh, tall and skinny. But, um, yeah, it, it can be a real a real issue for families. Um, I want to talk about the study, too, as I mentioned earlier. Well, so this, this is a different study. Knowing that food avoidance and preference is a huge problem, this study set out to identify how that happens. What they did was they started staggering the reward food. Right. So if macaroni and cheese is the favorite thing, they would give increased latency for every time that food was presented. Right. So the first time you did it, OK, it was for lunch and then dinner. And the next day maybe it would only be for lunch. They said allowing them to indulge in their favorite food, reduce stealing to zero. Wow. Yes. Would you like the caveat?
1: Yes. <laughs> I know there's another shoe here.
0: <laughs> The post-study results found that five, one, two, three, four, five people in the study, limited study. They went two weeks, two months, four months, three weeks outside of the study adhering to the plan, what the parents would have to implement, obviously. Mm -hmm. The nonverbal kiddo did not make it one day without... The oversight of the program. (laughs) What a great
1: study. (laughs) But it shows you (laughs) that it's hard.
0: It's hard. And, you know, that in a controlled environment where, you know, you can sit them down and do this measured ABA work, it's successful. But when you throw in family. Yeah, you're cooking dinner for everybody else. Everybody everybody else and school obligations, work Mm -hmm. obligations, it probably would work if you could have a controlled environment like that all the time. But I think what we can take away from this is that you have to allow them their favorites, maybe on a daily basis, so you can
1: sneak those other things in. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I blame my husband because he tells me the story all the time. His mom's meatloaf had onions in it, and he would eat the meatloaf and manage to spit out all the onions on his plate. I'm like, yep, I wonder. Mm-hmm. you might be a little bit on the side. I did
2: look up what ARFID stands for since I used it, and it's avoidant restricted food intake disorder. Used to be known as selective eating disorder. Mm, That's what Mm. I know. And I know a lot of autistic people have this, but I think most of them tend to walk the line. Not quite all the way there, but pretty close.
1: One other thing I was going to say about the difference also in pika or pika. Hang on, let let me explain to people who
0: may not know what Mm -hmm. pika is. Pika is eating non-food items. Chalk is a favorite. Paper. Paper, clay, paint chips. Who who was it? We knew somebody that ate paint. Might have been Ebby. The pool. Pool Pool noodles. Pool noodles, foam, (laughs) all Mm -hmm. those kinds of things. And the only thing I could find is that one in four people on the spectrum do this at least some of the time
2: too often, especially
0: when they're children. Did you have Pika kind of activity? Did you recall?
2: No, I, we never had that, and I know that people not on the spectrum can have this yeah, absolutely. as well. Oh, it's yes. pregnant not, women often have pica. Yeah, and chew
0: the. I was. I remember but doing this in research. Before. I do
2: know a lot of autistic children. It's a sensory thing. That for yes, them that's to be what able they able to said, Chew on that.
1: that. Justin didn't necessarily swallow things that he chewed on. He just chewed on. He them. just chewed on them, which you know, I guess is different. I'm not sure what the, you know, okay. where the line is. Um, There were things he would eat that he shouldn't eat. Like putting, he's in the sandbox playing, and he's Mm -hmm. he's like got a mouthful of sand, (laughs) you know, and it's like okay, I know some of that's going down your throat. No, spit that out. Yeah, just different things like that. Yeah, and you know, now
2: that I think about it, you notice Trinity has extremely short hair. Part Mm -hmm. of that was because she would chew on her hair, so I guess maybe that was she Mm. if she'd get it and she'd just chew on it all day. She'd also chew on her shirt. She's mostly grown out of those behaviors. I think, like I said, we cured the hair one by just keeping her, her hair yeah having a pixie cut yeah the research says that it's sensory-seeking, duh. Mm-hmm. And
0: um, it can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Again, double duh. Paint chips. And their only advice is there's no real solution other than to secure things as best as you can and watch out for them. Thank you, science.
2: I think that you probably <laughs> would, if your child's distribu- uh, exhibiting those behaviors, you probably ought to talk it over with your pediatrician, too. Because right. I think there there's, there's some medical... There could be deficiency. There's
0: an iron deficiency Yeah, and sometimes. I think there's some
2: medication that can help. Yeah. But I'm, I've don't know that specifically because we didn't really have that big of a problem with it, but I we read that there is some medical intervention. That's I, available. I think
0: eventually they most do grow out of it, but we do have a couple of members we have to watch like hawks. Hey, I do want to talk about coping strategies, though. When you are introducing a new food, always offer the new food with their favorite, right? Yes. Another strategy might be to create a visual schedule. Of course, this mm-hmm. is more work for the parent, but there you go. So you Monday pork chops, macaroni and cheese, and. Skittles, I don't know, whatever it is that you're feeding your (laughs) child. Okay. But so that they know what's coming up. Austin to this day likes a visual schedule. She doesn't need it like she does, but she used to, but she still finds comfort in that visual schedule. Mm -hmm. If you put a new food on their plate and they're, yeah, no, it's not. You say, okay, I want you to touch it. Just touch it with your finger. Then the next time when you put it on your place, I want you to touch it again. And now just give it a little sniff. And then Eventually get them into one bite and do not freak out if they go Bleh! and yes. spit it. Because mm-hmm. Justin, oh my, this child is so dramatic. I swear he, he just, is. he cracks me up. He's just over the top. It's just keeping and keeping, trying. And you may be throwing a lot of, way a lot of peas and a lot of mashed potatoes, but mm-hmm. you're trying to introduce them. And that's what we've seen through the Life Skills Cooking Program is that when we've introduced things enough time, many of them will convert. This, I really like this idea go to the grocery store, one, when it's not mealtime, obviously, and two, when you're not hungry. And then Mm -hmm. if their favorite food is Honey Nut Cheerios, you say, let's try the multigrain Cheerios. And maybe you mix it together for a while or forever, maybe, but at least they're getting a little bit more nutrition than just the, you know, Mm sugar-coated garbage rings that are (laughs) that they prefer. And have them cook with you. I know that's not realistic sometimes because personally, I want everyone out of my kitchen, leave me alone. I do not want to have to deal with you. But if you are really interested in trying to change those behaviors, pride in cooking for themselves goes a really long way. I hope everyone enjoyed this conversation today. And if you have any questions, feel free to contact either myself at jamie at
2: autismadventures.org or Lisa at Lisa at autismventures.org. Can I add one thought? Absolutely. To that, I wanted to say, too, that while you're encouraging your child to try something new, avoid negative. Consequences for not doing Absolutely. it. I oh, mean, yeah. oh yeah, not say anything. It, it says yeah. don't say
0: anything. You know, Listen, you tried. Good if job. If they
2: spit it out, uh-huh. vomit on the floor, whatever. Go, hey, good job for trying. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. because that you don't want to associate the trying of new foods with a negative, negative yeah. consequence. Yeah,
0: almost. Right? I think that's why ABA therapy has become so prevalent for people with autism because, like most people, we are more wrote- motivated by reward than punishment. But autistic people, especially so. I, and it doesn't have to be a big reward, a star, maybe an extra Skittle. <laughs> yeah. Know. yeah.
2: What, but I also Class. found that, I, that I, by having Trinity participate in the cooking with us or even initiating it, she's more likely mm. to at least try. Yep the food she may not like it and i'm like okay hey that's okay good job for trying it but
1: yeah that's true and i know this may not make it in but my son just surprises us all the time because i've always prepared his food for him and all of a sudden you know you'll find him in the kitchen making something that you've done for him all his life and he's known how to do it for who knows how long Mm -hmm. and i'm like seriously and then the Mm -hmm. next time i'm like oh you need to make your lunch why do I have to do it? <laughs> I'm like, because you know how, and I know you know how. <laughs> yeah. All right, ladies, thank you so much for attending
0: today, and we look forward to our next episode, and we hope you all will tune in. Learn more by visiting our website at austinsautisticadventures.org, and follow us on Facebook.